LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome everybody to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love. I am with pastor, author, owner of Camo Crocs. JD yeah, Greer. How did you know that? You know, I it's lived I lived with JD for about six months. Oh, and these are the that things that these are the things you pick up on. Ask so, me anything. Yes. The why most do embarrassing you have thing in your wardrobe. Why do you own them? All if right. you're gonna own Crocs, they might as well be camo. That's a good point. Yeah. They're not making it out of the house anyway. All right, JD. So question today: can Christians believe in evolution? See, I feel like you're doing that thing where you ask me questions that then are going to get me in a lot of trouble and I don't write the questions, JD. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me rephrase the question. Okay, can you be a Christian and believe in evolution and not have it you know, show something significantly wrong with your faith? And okay. I think the answer to that is yes. Okay, I would say there are a number of Christians who I would say are every bit as godly, if not a lot more godly and spiritually mature than I am, and who are a lot more intelligent than I am, who who actually believe in a thing that. They call theistic evolution. Okay, uh, I'm thinking of guys like Francis Collins, um, Alistair McGrath, one of the greatest. He's a British theologian. Um, uh, in fact, I I don't know this, but I've heard some people say that that Tim Keller is 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 in this. I um, again, I don't know for sure, but I know there are a lot of Christians in that category. Now, if you were to say is a belief in theistic evolution, that's as opposed to atheistic evolution, believing there is no God and that, you know, random chance and mutation account for everything. Which obviously Christians couldn't could believe that, right, yeah. by definition. <laughs> but if you mean, is theistic evolution, is that the best Christian answer? Is that the, the way that the Bible would teach us to look at it? Then I think the, the better answer there is no, that's mm-hmm. not what I, you know, what I think. You know, it's, I, I would say regardless, and this is where maybe it will be a little controversial, I don't think this is the answer to that question is a first order issue. Hebrews 11, when it talks about faith, it says, you know, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. If you believe that there is a God who is behind creation and that ultimately, however, he caused creation, whether he used, you know, the, 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 the language in Genesis 1 is more poetic and he's, God is using more of the, the, the processes that now get referred to as evolution. And it was over long periods of time, even millions of years if you know you think that is that, I, I don't see you, you violating what Hebrews 11 says. You think that the world's framed by the word of God and that the things that are seen are made by things that are not made. There are other Christians who say, well, the best interpretation of Genesis is to recognize at least some elements of you know very dramatic special creation that took place. Um, I was looking at this thing recently where um, uh, Wayne Grudem wrote this article, and he's like, 12 yeah. ideas that you have to embrace if you're going to affirm theistic evolution— and these are problematic. I won't read all 12 of them, but for example, if you believe that God just created the Big Bang and then sort of sat back and let it, you know, kind of let natural processes, so to speak, yeah, account for everything, on, yeah. um, in addition to a number of scientific problems, yeah. like how, you know, species change into one another and how the, the walnut becomes a walrus and how to, you know, various, even the smallest organisms have so much complexity that... It's, a, it's amazing. So even if you disregard those, just biblically, you know, you've got to say that Adam and Eve were not really the first human beings, hmm. right? Because they were, they descended from something and some humanoid, you know, parent. He, God didn't act directly or specially to create Adam out of the dust of the ground. Like it says, he, he didn't act directly to take Eve from a rib. Uh, the way he said, or from Adam's mm-hmm. side, and that you know Genesis seems to pretty clearly say that. Um, you would say that Adam and Eve didn't really commit the first human sin because human beings were, you know, if evolution is true, they were doing you know survival of the fittest, morally, hmm. 
you know, vicious yeah, things before Adam and Eve. Uh, you would say that human death did not begin as a result of Adam's sin because whoever gave birth to Adam and Eve would have, you know, would have died. And so you're, you're dealing with that. Uh, you would have to say that not all human beings descended from Adam and Eve because there were thousands of others, you know, if, it, if there were all these organisms and we just picked Adam and Eve. The book of Romans and Matthew and throughout the Old Testament seems to indicate like we came from one one common sinful ancestor, and that's the setup for redemption in Christ as one ancestor in Christ. You would have to say that God did not directly act in the natural world to create different kinds of fish and birds and land animals the way that he indicates you know, in Genesis 1. You would also say that God didn't create an originally good world, that the world is red in tooth and claw the way that you know, that just as a result of these random forces and the explosion of the Big Bang. And it, it, Genesis 1 seems to indicate that everything was good and perfect. Uh, well, maybe not perfect, but it was good, you know, and it was without the the curse and the danger of it. Um, you know, you also have to say finally that after Adam and Eve sinned, God did not place any curse on the world that changed the workings of the natural world, making it more hostile to mankind. Uh, you would say that, you know, the, the curse wasn't something that came with sin. It was sort of inherent in in just the nature of of the universe. Those are some significant problems. Yeah, that's like, that's a pretty exhaustive list. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to read that and be like, okay, so how, do, how would I actually get around some of those things? So like, I mean, just shoot straight. Like, doesn't Genesis 1 teach that God created the world in six days, six literal days? Yeah. And then, I mean... What about dinosaurs? Are dinosaurs real? JB, what happened there? <laughs> I'm going to focus more on the first question. Okay, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. But, um, you know, a lot of, I mean, one of the important things in biblical interpretation is to interpret a passage in the way that it was written for the purposes that it was written. And it's a significant question. And Augustine himself would say this God did not have in mind either timeline or scientific, you know, complexities was not trying to communicate that through Genesis 1. Hmm. And so you certainly could have poetic elements in there, um, about 24-hour period. I mean, when it says evening and morning were the first day, that seems to indicate a 24-hour period. Yeah. But, you know, is it possible that yom, the word there, is going to indicate some kind of longer period of time? Uh, so maybe there was some gap in there. Maybe hmm. the, those seven days took place a long time ago, and then there's a big gap between then and when. I don't know, yeah. but then you got problems with Adam and Eve. and There's just all kinds of, of issues. I'll just say that, again, I think this is a question you ought to approach with an open Bible and an open mind. And, uh, you know, when, when you read the, the book of science and when you read the book of Scripture, when you interpret both correctly, they're going to end up saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you can live in the tension of some unanswered questions. There are some things I don't know if I necessarily have to, you know, have figured out. And again, I just want to reiterate, I don't feel like this is, this is, I don't feel like it's a first order issue. So if I'm talking with a person who says, I believe that it was long periods of time and that God allowed certain, you know, I've heard people say, well, he allowed process of evolution to take place. And I, I believe the science of that, but then God intervened on these day-like periods where he came in and he did a special creation. Yeah. Well, if somebody says that, I'm not going to say, well, you don't really believe the Bible, <laughs> you know? And, but on the other hand, if, you know, if you're somebody that is in more of that old earth kind of approach, you're, you know, even if you, you believe kind of fully embrace the, the idea of, of theistic evolution, if you find somebody that really is trying to take science seriously, but also wants to yield to the authority of scripture, and thinks it's what it teaches. You don't. I don't think it's. You don't have to treat them like a knuckle dragging Neanderthal. I mean, <laughs> I, I think some charitability here and say, hey, this is an issue we should talk about. We should learn from each other. But I don't think it. It ought to really, you know, divide Christians. So there's a great book that I found really helpful on this. Um, it's by Ken Keithley and Mark Rooker, okay. who are two um, Old Testament professors and a theology professor over at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest. Um, they're very, you know, conservative and they 
came from a conservative uh, seminary. And they, they basically, in this, in this book, 40 Questions on Creation Evolution, say this shouldn't be a first-order issue. They point to a number of Christians who believe in a very old earth, but, but, but show that there are certain things Genesis teaches that you have to believe about at least some dimensions of special creation, the special okay. creation of Adam and Eve and, and, you know, and how that, and so it, it, it's good stuff. It gets a lot more into it than we can go into on yeah. a eight, 10, 12 minute yeah. podcast, however long this is. But that's super helpful. So at the end of the day, you know, not a first order issue, but there are some things that you really have to kind of think through and, and letting scripture really yeah. guide you through that process. And, 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 and maybe this is what I, I'd want to say to, you know, to a, a listener here. If you're talking with somebody who is an, an atheist, right? I, I, you don't start with, in my opinion, trying to convince them of a young earth hmm. or trying to convince them of exactly how to interpret Genesis 1. The place I start is, okay, so let's just say this. Without God, you're saying that nothing times nobody equals everything. Hmm. I, I just feel like that is self-defeating in and of itself. And I feel like the element of faith, Hebrews 11, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things that are seen are created by the things that are not seen. And I say, you know, that the essential thing is here, there's a God who is obviously behind the, the beauty, the order, the meaning, the significance in creation. We may have some questions as about how exactly he created, but there is no question as to who created it or that he has a purpose for it and that he stands over all of it and will judge it. And that God is the same God who appeared in history as Jesus Christ to redeem um, not just Adam and Eve, but to redeem all of creation so that he could one day, you know, make a new creation that has been freed from the curse. And that's a God to believe in and to hope in. That's really good. So mildly controversial question, but great answer. <laughs> if you want more from JD resources, uh, sermons, articles, go to jdgreer.com and you can find all that there. And then I would also just encourage you to listen to the New Churches Q&A podcast, uh, which is actually my favorite uh, of the Lifeway Leadership podcasts. They've been talking about topics like how to make your leadership pipeline relational. And... I'm also on the Lifeway <laughs> Leadership podcast. Did you just say that it was your favorite of the... So I said one of my favorites. Okay. I, you know, I, I hear, hear the this one, one of, in, okay. you know, real time, but you know, so anyway, Anyway, uh, but great like when my daughter says, she says she, we had a guy preach at our church the other day, Brian Loritz. She was daddy. He's my favorite preacher. And I said, you know, I also preach sometimes at the summer church, but <laughs> it's hard to appreciate the people that are closest to you. Sometimes, you know what? You I'll know? Just, just go, just that's finish good. the podcast. You know what? That's, that's probably all we need to say. <laughs> and we will see you guys next time on ask me anything. Mm-hmm.